Ladies and gentlemen, the Empire Podcast Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra is proud to present the Star Spangled Man on Kazoo. <clears throat> and one, and two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Wait for it. Who's strong and brave here to save the American way? Who vows to fight like a man for what's right night and day? Who will campaign door to door for America? Carry the, the flag shore to shore for America from Hoboken to Spokane. I'm immediately regretting starting this key. That went a bit wrong. What is happening? I don't. I'm so, I'm so, so sorry. sorry. <laughs> a thousand million what apologies. What key were we in there? I mean, I'm not sure that ours were connected. <laughs> we discovered a new key. We went into H. <laughs> That's where we went. <laughs> Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest of our weekly spoiler specials dedicated to the brand new MCO Disney Plus TV show, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And in this episode, we will be diving deep into episode two of six, entitled, as you've heard already, The Star-Spangled Man. And when I say we, I mean my three star-spangled colleagues of such lethal cunning. Here's a question for you. Who'll hang a noose on the goose-stepping goons from Berlin? Why, it's only Helen O'Hara. Uh, I don't really approve of capital punishment, so pro- probably wouldn't actually. But I do disapprove of Nazis. So yes, who would yes. open a prison cell for the goose stepping go- goons from Berlin? That would be me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hello. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, who'll give the axes the sack and as smart as a fox? Why it's James Dyer, of course. Is it though? I don't. <laughs> I don't really understand that bit, but I'm, I'm, I'll happily kill anyone, so I'm I'm fine with whichever. Wow. Okay. And last but not least, who's making Adolf afraid to step out of his box? Why, it's only Ben Travis. Yeah, you get back in that box, Adolf. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Take that and your art shit. Yeah. I'll teach him. Wow. <laughs> that was it. Or oh, no, it's the final straw. They also they poked fun at my art. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> first, before we get into the episode, to the recap. To the recap. To the recap. Oh my god. No, no. Kasus and wordplay just a few minutes in. You lucky, lucky people. Anyway, we start with Captain America pulling down his sip slowly, tantalizingly, sensuously almost, revealing the precious package beneath. But don't worry, folks, Helen Steve Rogers fanfic hasn't magically come to life. <laughs> 
Instead, it is the new Captain America, John Walker, who was introduced Boo. at the end of last week. Boo! <laughs> was introduced <laughs> at the end of last week's episode. He has now returned to his old high school, where he's about to be paraded before the nation. But before changing into his new costume, which is why he's pulling down the sip slowly, tantalizingly, sensuously, almost. Uh, he's a bit nervous, you see, and so he has calming chats with someone who appears to be his wife, but who was never named on screen. And then his sidekick, Lamar Hoskins, Len, to a funky version of Alan Menken's sensational The Star-Spangled Man, he is introduced to his presumably adoring new nation. But Bucky, watching at home in his sparse apartment, having presumably turned over from the football, is not happy. So not happy about it is he, in fact, that he seeks out Sam Wilson, somehow knowing where Sam will be, for a confrontation about Sam's decision to give up the shield and mantle of Captain America. Sam has no time for a quarrel, not when he's got some flag smashers to... smash. So Bucky tags along, and after some debatable banter, they chase down the flag smashers and have a big old Barney in the middle of a motorway, or a dual carriageway, it's really not clear. Walker shows up with Lamar, who is known as Battlestar now, obviously, but they all get their asses handed to them because the flag smashers appear to be. Dun, 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 super soldiers! What? Afterwards, Walker offers a conciliatory hand to Bucky and Sam, who tell him where to shove it. Bucky then brings Sam to Baltimore for a walking tour of the wire locations, and also to meet Isaiah Bradley, a black man who, it turns out, was turned into a super soldier after World War II and had a big old showdown with the Winter Soldier in 1951. Told to get out by Isaiah, Sam and Bucky then get into an argument and are interrupted by police who seem about to racially profile Sam, but it's Bucky who ends up being arrested after missing a slot with his shrink, who then shows up in Baltimore and brings Sam and Bucky into a couple session for reasons. There, Bucky reveals that he is furious with Sam for rejecting the shield because it means that Steve might have been wrong about Sam and therefore might have been wrong about Bucky. <gasps> Outside, rejecting Walker's offer of cooperation once again, which is frankly just rude, Bucky decides that they need to dig into Hydra's history to find out more about the super soldier serum, once again, for reasons. Which means going to Berlin for a chat with Helmut Simo, the absolute helmet, and breathe. There we go. Wow. What a big yeah. episode two. Electric Boogaloo. Uh, a lot happened in this episode. Let's get our initial thoughts on it before we dig into it. What do we make of this episode, folks? I liked it a lot. I, and I, I'm still baffled, absolutely flummoxed by Disney's decision to only give us the first episode. When If they'd given us this one as well, we would, at the very least, have seen the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know, together, talking, having fun, uh, which was the thing that was, was, was lacking from episode one. There were fewer small business loans in this, which was obviously a shame, but I enjoyed the banter. I thought there was a lot of fun dialogue between them. It actually seemed to be going places. Like th This gave me the things that I was missing from the first episode. I still think it's got a long way to go, but all in all, yes, I enjoyed this. Mm. Weirdly, even though a lot happened this week, the storytelling still feels kind of slow to me. Um, so mm. that's my chief note. And I had a couple of... of nits to pick and quibbles. So, you know, you mentioned Bucky's revelation there, that sort of um, kind of really heartrending. if Steve was wrong about you, maybe he's wrong about me moment. That didn't feel like something he would admit quite that quickly. Like it felt like it almost should have been ripped out of him in a really, in a real moment of, of mm. kind of tension. And, and 
that he wouldn't admit that as fast as he does. So little things like that kind of got me. Um, I would have, I'm sure we're going to see more of Isaiah Bradley, but I would have mm. liked a bit more at this point as well. And and so there, there were things like that, that just the pacing doesn't always feel quite right. But the action is still great. Their chemistry is still great. They're both really good on their own, never mind together. And I am just living for Bucky's reaction shots. And I don't know how we survived <laughs> this long in the MCU without this many of them. Yeah. Like I, I just love that Disney Plus so far is just giving us incredible reaction shot series. Like if there was a show that was just Bucky reaction shots followed by Baby Yoda reaction shots, oh that's everything I need, need in my life. That would be perfect. Yeah, I, I like this episode a lot. It was great to see the two of them together and their chemistry is great. And it, it definitely took the plot to some really interesting places. There's still an element where I'm finding a little bit too much in the dialogue so far that there's a lot of expository dialogue in that people are either mm -hmm. saying exactly how they're feeling or telling us exactly what we need to know kind of at all times. And I'd love for some of that stuff because this show is touching on such interesting themes and digging into some really knotty stuff to maybe approach that in a slightly more complex or interwoven way. It feels like... Mm. Yeah, there's yeah. quite a lot of moments where people just say exactly what they're thinking or exactly what they're feeling rather than that coming across in the actions. But I really liked what they did with John Walker in this episode. I thought that was a really good sort of across the arc of this episode from him going to being kind of nervous about taking on that mantle and understanding why that would be complicated for anyone to then he's a bit of a smarmy douchebag by the end of the episode, which is where we needed yeah. to get him. Um, and I really liked how they set up this idea that maybe he could work with Sam and Bucky, but actually that's never going to happen and that that is setting Sam hopefully on his path to wanting to take the shield back. Mm. Yeah, there's an ego in him, I think. Yeah, there is. I mean, he's, um, you're absolutely right, he's a bit of a smarmy douchebag by the episode's end. Uh, I thought it was interesting that we, we did start with a scene that was meant to humanise him uh, because last week we all, we all saw it and we all know... He's not a bad guy in the comics, as in he's not a villain in the comics, but he's not Steve Rogers and he doesn't have Steve Rogers' outlook in life. Uh, and as, as I said in last week's show, he can be borderline fascistic at times. So as a comic book reader, sometimes you will bring that baggage to the show. But for people who don't know who John Walker is, I thought it was a very interesting chance mm -hmm. to almost start with a clean slate for him this week. Like yeah. We just we're, we we automatically react negatively to him because he looks like a smirking asshole. Uh, he winks at the camera and he's not Steve Rogers. And that's that's the big thing as well. So in, in this, to start with that scene, that kind of shows that he has doubts in his mind and he has a wife who loves him and a best friend who has his back no matter what. You're going, okay, well, maybe he's not that far away from the guy who Steve Rogers was, maybe this is why they chose this dude, apart from the incredible military record, three mm. medals of honour. I mean, do you even get that playing Call of Duty? I'm not sure. What do you have to do to get three medals of honour? I have no idea. Jump on a grenade four stuff. times. Presumably, yeah. <laughs> like, is that the same grenade four times or four different grenades? That's what I want to know. I'm hoping four different grenades because otherwise it's, it's you know, got a really high failure rate, basically. So I, I would not <laughs> go to that military supplier where I, the military. Yeah. And his reinforced helmet is that his penis it's not his penis no no right, i don't okay. think it is just checking i mean you've established there chris we, we were talking last week about how uh the the human torch was denied a bank loan and again we have an anchorman thing going on here in that you look at john walker and just like brick thought you're not ron 
You just look at him and go, you're not Cap. Yeah. That is my exact thought process when I see John Walker, especially in that art. I, I like how they've ac- accentuated the douchiness of the helmet, which was always a bit of a shit <laughs> yeah, look. It's not, it's but they managed good, to make it look helmet. even like dorkier in the way that it frames his like, slightly smirky grin. It just, I think it gets across really nicely mm-hmm. why, even though he's not necessarily doing anything wrong, why we just can't like vibe with this guy. Mm. Although I don't hate his uniform, I'm quite liking it. I think the A slash cool. star is, is clever. And the way it goes with the strap, it kind mm-hmm. of overlaps them. It, yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite nicely put together. Can we talk about his shield, though? Because I have real issues with how it's apparently been turned into a frisbee. Like, he, like I get that Cap oh can God, lob it around back. like an aerobee. I refuse to believe that What's-His-Chops John Walker can do the same thing, and it bothered me. It's, Look, it's super light. you've been saying light. this throughout, yeah. I, 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 I think we're talking it. mithril. We're, I still say we're talking mithril. It's a really mm. light, strong metal. Yeah. It's the only thing that makes sense. If it's heavy enough that when it hits people, they go, right? Then surely when it gets back to his arm, it should like snap his arm off his body, which would just be horrible. Physics. But, I, but it doesn't <laughs> obey the laws of physics. We've established that. Because Steve had the super soldier serum, his arm was so strong that, yes. that it wouldn't be broken by the shield. But if that shield can like snap people's necks and knock people over and all that stuff, then surely it should it knock has, him it, over. Inertial dampeners. He, Here's my, yeah, it's, it's essentially la 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 hand waving. But also, here's my thing on this. He's, the way he's described in that opening section is essentially Batman. So he's basically like human perfect. That's his level that he's at. So that's what can handle the shield. You'll also notice that in this episode, Bucky catches it in his normal hand. Now, obviously, Bucky mm. has some super soldier serum in yeah, him, we think. He is but, a super soldier. But. You know, he still catches it barehanded, which they, I think, carefully not had him do mm. previously in the movies. So mm. that was interesting to me as well. But I, th- I th- look, I think he's a really strong, fast dude with really good reflexes. He knows it's coming back, and the thing doesn't obey the laws of physics. If yeah. you could only catch it if you had the super soldier serum, that would give a reason for the Falcon and Winter Soldier to be together, because the Falcon's the only guy who can throw it, and the Winter Soldier <laughs> is the only guy who can catch it when it returns. That would be amazing. I have another Winter Soldier question, and okay. it is this. Why did Bucky feel the need to ruin a perfectly good leather biker jacket to jump out of the plane? That seemed deeply unnecessary. I guess he figured he was going to have to catch himself with the arm on the way down anyway, and it was going to get wrecked, so he may as well just rip it all off in one. I mean... Also, it looked cool. Yeah, oh, yes, granted, it did look cool, but it felt a bit like, you know, like with the way Hulk Hogan used to rip his, his T-shirts in half. I mean, that's mm. got to cost a fair penny. And we already talked last week about how do these guys yeah. pay their way through life? Who is, who is, does Bucky have a job? What does he do? He, he kind of, maybe he's drawing a Hydra pension. Maybe those guys really take care of their, of their own, right? So he's got maybe a Hydra he's a GI pension. pension. Or Hydra. I'm okay, thinking, but I'm just saying he's I, I, essentially you know. been a prisoner of war for 80 years. But also so. bear in mind, like he's over 100 years old. So you can imagine he probably, when he went off to war, had like, you know, two shillings and sixpence in a savings account, like a kid's savings account, and then yeah. compound interest over the last century has made him a very wealthy man. Very, very wealthy man. Sure. That's, yeah. that's what's happened with him. But uh, but going back to John Walker, in terms of how his douchiness uh, unfolds over the over the episode, I thought it was quite nicely done. Mm. Uh, I have to say the way that, you know, he's suddenly, you know, next time we see him after he after the the battle in Europe, where do they go? Where do they go in Europe? Where do they f- they fight the flag they're just smashers? They're, they're near Munich. Munich. So it's yeah. kind near of Munich. the yeah. Southern I have Germany. About how a propeller plane gets them from wherever they start off to Munich in like half an hour. But 
Anyway. And there's a lot of crisscrossing of the Atlantic in this show in a way that yeah. is not necessarily 100%. <laughs> um, also, like, yeah. you know, they just get on a, pl- a military plane to Munich without any problems. I thought that was interesting also. Kind of feel like somebody would probably have, I don't know, questioned that. But hey. But isn't it think? a military operation? I'm I'm confused about exactly how Sam is operating with Tories, but that's not that's not my point. We'll we'll, we'll get there in a, we'll get there in a second as well. But the uh, the thing about John Walker was so the next time we see him, then he's in the police station, and we we see that he's brought the the shrink in, and he's waved. You know, he's basically said Bucky doesn't need to do any more sessions, so he's already beginning to wield his power and his authority in an interesting mm-hmm. way. And then when they're outside the police station, he basically appropriates a police car to do his toot his little horn at them. So there's little little transgressions already going on here with this guy, uh, that he's beginning to like his power a little bit too much already, I think. Okay, but like Steve immediately went AWOL when he decided to but for good know, reason. do that. He was bored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't think we can say, oh, this Captain America isn't following the rules, unlike the last one, because that's very much in the last one's wheelhouse as well. Yes, the last one made a show of it. There was a whole film about it, in fact. There was, yeah. <laughs> I don't I know if you saw it. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's called- I'll have to I'll look that up, yeah. <laughs> yeah on, yes. on that note, something that just felt like really immediately wrong, but of course also Steve Rogers did back in the first Avenger, was seeing John Walker shooting a gun while wearing the uniform, yes. which is like, whoa, this feels mm. weird. Steve Rogers would never, and yet- he 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 did. I mean, it was wartime, so yeah. I guess he well, had to. Well, no, he fires a gun on the Avengers. He he takes out some of uh, some of those troops who try to board the helicarrier with Hawkeye. Right. I mean, again, a war. It's fine. They're fine. Yeah, he's a soldier. You know, I have no problems mm. with this version of Cap killing people because yeah. he is literally a soldier, and that's kind of what they do. And, yeah. and he he's never had the one rule thing, you know. So um, yeah, I quite enjoyed that moment when he's thrown his shield to catch Battlestar, um, and then he climbs Battle back Star. on like, and it's just him, you know, not being funny, Mister Powerless facing off against Enfys Nest mm-hmm. and a bunch of like super soldiers, <laughs> and you're just like, you are fucked, mate. Yeah, he did. He did quite well though. Yeah. he gets punched straight off the truck. Yeah, but he, you know, comes back. His reactions and his speed of thought to throw the shield. At his buddy, his buddy Bucky, his Bucky buddy. Yeah, Mm. I thought that was that was very interesting. And I do wonder, I wonder, I wonder if there, if part of his arc and part of Lamar's arc in this is going to be that they realise they can't make the impact that they want to without superpowers. Mm. And so maybe this power broker dude is going to play a big role in John Walker and Lamar's lives down the line. Mm. That's how the new Cap gets his powers in the comics, isn't it? From the power broker. Mm. Uh, so it kind of it would make a certain amount of sense. But then Battlestar is literally his Cap? Bucky buddy because Battlestar yeah. in the he's comics is known as Bucky, isn't he? So He has been one of the Buckies, if you yeah, will. Yeah, he's a, a Bucky. Yeah. It's all very confusing. And, but Bucky-verse. I like that squaring off that yeah. you actually literally do have the, the Buckies sort of yeah. squaring off with each other. And <laughs> and, and, and that was it was... It, that, that scene in the truck with the four of them I thought was really interesting. And it's... On one hand, you have this this great moment where he's saying all the right things, John Walker. He's saying, I'm not yeah. trying to replace Steve. I'm just trying to be the best Captain America I can be. And it'd be a whole lot easier if I had Cap's wingman at my side. And uh, and Sam is like, it's always the last line. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, I was with you. And then you're like, you can join me if you're willing to take the number two spot kind of thing. You know, like, mm, no. He was with him until the end of that line. <laughs> hey. <laughs> 
Ah, oh, nice one, Ben. I mm. like it. Um, I, I have to say, I, I wasn't as on board with this episode as you guys were. Mm. I have I have concerns about this this show. Uh, for me, right now, it is very, it's fine, it's entertaining, it's good, I'm enjoying it. But I think there are weaknesses here. And for me, right now, it's mid-tier Marvel. Very, very much so. It's not delivering for me in terms of, well, I think the dialogue's pretty weak. The the banter between them feels really forced. I mean, they're they're oh, they're talking see, about this it. weapon and midnight run as as examples, and I'm not sure that they're getting anywhere near that so far. I enjoyed the White Panther, White Wolf banter. Mm. You know, all their talk about the big three androids, aliens, and see, wizards. That, that just felt strained to me. Didn't, sorcerer, didn't, it's a wizard it? without a hat. Yeah, I did man. like. Uh, how do you know about Gandalf? And he's like, I read the Hobbit read the- in 1937, in 1937 when, when it first it came out. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if he needed to add the last bit. It just like <laughs> I've just read the Hobbit is kind of weird enough, and then you have Sam jump in and say something. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I think it. Look, it could be sharper at times, and there's a lot of moving parts right now. So right now, okay, we have Sam and Bucky. We have John Walker and his buddy. We have the Flag Smashers and the Power Broker and Zemo, who may or may not be connected in some way. And we have Isaiah Bradley. And we have, you know, just the wider forces of the government and the world and the mm-hmm. Global Repatriation Council, which we're now hearing about. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of shit going on. And we haven't even seen like Sharon Carter yet. It, you know, there's there's a lot of moving parts here. And I... I I hope that they start to kind of click together a little bit more than they are now. Obviously, we're only two episodes in. We're only end of the mm-hmm. first act, if you will. But um, yeah, I would like to see some of this kind of clicking a bit more because because the, the okay. Let's talk about the Flag Smashers for a second. So their whole mm-hmm, thing is mm-hmm. let's get the world back to the way it was during the blip where we all stopped worrying about countries. We all mm. came together in a beautiful, eco-friendly hug of some sort. Um, they're clearly no inspired by Yeah, it's, it's clearly inspired by Extinction Rebellion and that kind of thing. So it's a really good starting point. But their, their, their plan, their thing is that they're stealing vaccines from someone from the power broker to deliver to the camps of displaced people who came back. I'm not sure how that ties into their plan to get the world back to the way it was when those people weren't there. I'm a little bit confused by their methods right now. Because mm. it feels like they've stolen the serums from the power broker, doesn't it? And that's how they're all super soldiers. Yep. It feels yeah. like they've, they've double-crossed him, that they've gone, okay, we'll be soldiers in your army, give us all these powers, and then they've they get the powers and then they fuck off uh, immediately and then try and use them for good for whatever reason. I did wonder Damn if they them. were going to go full Magneto in the first X-Men movie and try and turn everyone in the world into super soldiers. Maybe. Mm-hmm. That might be something along those lines, but I don't think it is that. Uh, I'm sure we'll find out what their what their plans are, but they're also, I think, clearly being positioned as not necessarily good guys, but they're not the bad oh, guys of this. Of yeah. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Robin Hoods, you know? Yeah. Chuggers. That's, that's what the finale is going to be. They're going to be chasing Sam and Bucky down down Neil Street in Covent Garden. Trying <laughs> to get their direct yeah. debit details. That's, yes, that's basically what it's going to be. I, I mean, I haven't thought about this too in depth in terms of exactly what their plan is, but I had wondered if that is part of the point that maybe there is a disconnect between the reasons a lot of them are involved in this group and the actions the group is actually undertaking, whether there is some kind of, there are certain people using this group to their own ends to maybe do something that is not necessarily aligned with their ideas over what the world should be now. Maybe there's a purposeful disconnect there, but I don't know if that's also just because I haven't really like thought about what it is mm. they're doing and how mm. that would align 
with what they're up to. I don't get that sense yet, um, just because I feel like Carly, uh, obviously Carl in the comics originally, but I feel like she's she seems to be quite sincere and quite upfront with the people she's with. There seems to be genuine ties of friendship there. I don't think that's fake emotion when the guy volunteers to go off and die. Like I feel like you know they are they are genuinely all in it together. I think you're right about there being a double cross between her and someone else. That text she gets, you took what was mine, going to find you and kill you or whatever it was. That's, that's got to be the power broker, right? Yeah, that's got to yeah. be the power broker, and that's the he's find us. I think mm. so. That's a bad guy. I think mm-hmm. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that. If you you know if he's got a number, then turn off your phone, Carly. And certainly, you know, if he's if he's that power brokerful, then he can certainly find you. Uh, how rubbish was that guy's uh, sacrifice play at the end of the? Yeah, I know. I will run towards the men with the guns. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm a super yeah. soldier. I can dodge the bullet. Oh, turns out I can't. Oh no. I mean, he did stop their cars, I guess. Give the plane time to take off, but yeah, yeah, he could. I just wonder if he could have done more, less you know? and more. Yeah, yeah. Bit, bit rubbish. Um, but, you know, hey-ho. We'll find out more about them, I'm sure, and why he is prepared to lay his life on the line mm. uh, for the Flag Smashers. Presumably to buy them time to get a better name, I would say. Quickly, oh God. take off, get a better name. Uh, and more about her. And what are they planning? They seem to be planning something big from which there is no return. So, you know, is it is it about that moment when, you know, one one person's freedom fighter becomes another person's terrorist? Is it, is it about that point of no return where a group like this crosses a, a line? No, Maybe? I think they're goodies. Yeah? <laughs> I think. Okay. I think that's, I think that's, that's going to be the, the arc is actually finding these guys in time I to save them. I feel a lot like she's basically playing Enfys Nest again. <laughs> And it's the entire same setup as in Solo. <laughs> yeah, especially where it's like, oh no, she she is the leader. She looks young, and she, mm-hmm. but she is in yeah. charge. She knows and what she's they're doing. They're actually goodies, even though we thought they were baddies. And yeah, yeah. yeah. including a fight on a moving right? mode of transport uh, as well. Uh huh. I look forward to Sam and Bucky taking on the uh, the Kessel Run, seeing how if they can do it even speedier. <laughs> they could totally do it in eleven point eight parsecs. I did think it was interesting. There were a lot of kind of questionable uh, tactics and strategy in this episode. Uh, so I think your man's diversion was the worst. But I was—I also had questions about Bucky. So he super runs, which we haven't really seen before, but okay. Yeah. He was able to outrun Makes Panther sense. and Steve before, so yep. fine. Yep. Um, so he super runs, he catches up with the truck, but he gets into the first of the two trucks. So he's clearly visible to the truck <laughs> yes. behind. And I thought this. He gives no thought to that whatsoever. There's and no, the guy behind just does nothing, does nothing. says nothing. Nobody's, just, nobody's yeah. concerned whatsoever. I felt like that was uh, poor strategizing from yes. a dude who spent years as a very successful assassin. He's throwing caution to the wind in all these situations. Like mm. he wants to go in immediately. It's like you didn't survive this long as Hydra's number one guy, just running in recklessly. Going, right, and and also yeah. like the two of them in that warehouse, not stealthy at all. Like there is no, no stealth there. They're just walking around a warehouse and like standing behind some very flimsy shelves. I'm not convinced, guys. No, I I have to say this is another one of my issues with the with the show. After the incredible action sequence last week, I thought this week's action sequence actually maybe belied the fact that the budget in these things isn't as big as they normally would have. There was an awful lot of very obvious green screen being used in that in that big action sequence, and I just don't think it had the same impact as last week's. And it it was at times confusingly staged. Yeah, I, I people I didn't seem to appear from nowhere. 
Yeah, I, I didn't hate the action sequence once it got going. Didn't I did it. have questions. I did also have questions about the cars behind. Wouldn't you just slow down a little bit, give those guys a bit more space? I you would. would. You I would. wouldn't be trying to overtake the lorries with the people standing on top and fighting, personally. Go round, Derek. Go round. Go round. <laughs> <laughs> um, beep, beep, beep. But yeah, I just, it, it did feel like people were making stupid decisions when we know that they're capable of making very smart ones. And when yeah. Cap came down as a deus ex America, I was a bit like, oh, where did he come from? And did no one hear the helicopter? I, I liked Cap coming in because we've seen so much of that sequence in the trailers. They've gone big on that truck fight sequence mm. in mm. all of the trailers and clips we've seen so far. And so it felt like a nice surprise, actually, that they'd cut around that. And when you see the shield whipping in, it was like, ooh. And, and because I hadn't thought that, especially so soon, we would get Sam and Bucky interacting with the new cap. It's still so fresh and so raw for them. I, I It was a kind of quite cool action beat, but also a great character moment of, oh shit, how are these good guys going to react to the fact that this new cap that they're both pretty miffed about mm. is now kind of gegging in on their whole fighting thing? thing. I, I, I feel bad for calling him Cap. I feel like I'm just going to call him yeah, Walker yeah, from yeah, now on. It's, yeah, maybe, it's actually left a bad taste in my mouth. I'm not going to do yeah. that anymore. No. Crap. Crap. Yeah. Crapped in America. Crapped in America. There we go. <laughs> I like that. That, that, feels, go I that. Mean, that feels overly harsh. If he does turn no, out no, to be no. like he was in that opening scene. Do you know what I mean? I, Did you not hear him say, stay the hell out of my way? What a dickhead. Stay the hell out of my way. Oh, language. Yeah. Language, Walker. I did like the moment where you turned up. That was uh, an unexpected wrinkle. Mm. But all the stuff, it just didn't seem like they, they uh, you're absolutely right, Helen. They hadn't strategized. What was Sam doing? He was just hanging back, waiting for Bucky to do something. He comes out of nowhere. Red Wing gets killed in this episode. Mm. Mm. Red Wing, we hardly knew ye. And um, <laughs> this is going to be a big test of of last week when we said, you know, that you know, without without Tony around, what is going to happen if something bad happens to Sam's tech? But it turns out it isn't particularly Stark tech. They they were still able to hack it. The government was they still were. able to hack yeah. it. So there was at least a very significant core of original government issue Red Wing there. Um, so we we hadn't seen it until Civil War. So you are absolutely, you know, entitled to have thought of it as Stark Tech. It could have come after he started working with the Avengers, but it seems not. Mm. It seems like it was part of the original suit, um, and therefore government hackable. Not hackable so much as in just they 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 were they had find my iPhone on it yeah basically it's, it's sorry. Yeah, find my not, Red Wing. Do you yeah. think he's uh do you think Red Wing's got, I keep calling him he I just you know <laughs> just we personalize it, these things don't yeah. we? Do you think Red Wing's done? I think it can probably be rebuilt. I was a little bit more uh, intrigued by the idea that Red Wing was able to find people across the world for Sam. I like that didn't seem like something that was in the capabilities of that small machine. So unless oh, Red GDPR. Wing is a much bigger thing, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I don't know. There's an awful lot in this episode of people finding people who they really shouldn't be able to find. Mm. One of my concerns with the episode was last week, I actually quite liked the fact that they kept Sam and Bucky apart mm. for the entire episode. And we were wondering, how are they going to get together? How are they? What's the, what's the inciting incident that's going to bring these two guys together and make them team up despite themselves? Because they don't really want, they're both lone wolves and they both have that Steve baggage and they don't really want to be hanging out together. So something's got to bring the two of them together. It turns out it's just Bucky shows up where Sam is and Sam's like, I'm off on a mission. And Bucky's like, I'm going to come along. I just felt it could have been a little more elegant in terms it, of yeah, that's fair. bringing them together. I think the idea that Bucky goes to see Sam because of John Walker 
Makes a lot of sense to me. A hundred percent bought that. The scene of Bucky watching him on TV is quite upsetting, actually. It's really yes. quite heartbreaking. So that made total sense. It was the it was the the serendipity of, oh yeah, I'm just going on a mission. Well then I'll come along. No, you won't. Yes, I totally will. I just that was a bit <laughs> like okay, that, that worked out, I guess. And then later on as well, if Bucky hasn't seen Isaiah since nineteen fifty one, how does he know where he lives? Ah, well, obviously, um, uh, he's kept up on. Actually, genuinely, he's probably looked him up as part of his restitution process. He's presumably had access to people's records to be able to find out all <gasps> the people he needs to get hold of, right? Yeah. Well, it sounds to me so, that he should be an Isaiah's restitution a little book. That is correct. He? I'm sorry I ripped off half your arm. <laughs> but he doesn't seem in a very conciliatory mood, does he, when we meet him? He, he doesn't seem like he should be either. Yeah, but that is interesting. And again, this is yeah, going to be a big part of the show, as, uh, as, as you know, if you've read anything about the show or if you listened to the interview that I did with uh, Carrie Scogland and Malcolm Spellman, which is in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier special podcast, which is available now to all non-special subscribers as well. That is available to everybody because it ain't a spoiler special. But in that, obviously, the you know Malcolm Spellman in particular talked about race being very important in this and tackling mm. racism and institutional racism. And we get to see little bits of that dotted all the way through this episode also. Uh, not least that entire scene with, with Isaiah and, you know, the idea as well that Lamar is the sidekick to the new Captain America. Mm -hmm. That's There's an interesting weight to that decision as well, that it, once again, the US government won't bring themselves to, to make Captain America a black man, but they'll make his yeah. best mate uh, Captain America instead. You have that really lovely little scene, I thought, with, with Sam and those two little kids just before they see Isaiah. And it's like, <laughs> hey, it's Black Falcon. It's like, really? Is it Black Falcon just because I'm a black man? Are you black kid? And yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. And then, and then the scene at the end where for the second week in a row, Sam isn't recognized by a white dude who is just keen to do a big racism. Yeah, the, the police scene was was disturbing, but I think it's there even in smaller moments. You know, that line of Sam's, it's always the last line. I think that's a reference to race. I think his line to Bucky about, you know, you don't get to come in here and lecture me on, you know, my my rights and my, my mm -hmm. duties. I think that's a race uh, comment as well. And then obviously the entire scene with Isaiah, like the, the way he was treated by the government, the way he was treated as a, as a you know, as a criminal, as a lab rat. Um, in contrast to the way that the government now treats, you know, Steve and Bucky as well, which must really rankle. And I liked his anger there because he's like, oh, it's great that you have, you know, you can wake up one more, one day and decide you're not a killer anymore. Maybe it works that way for folks like you. Yeah. It didn't work that way for him. You know, that kind of stuff all goes to this inequality of treatment and this, this horrific injustice. Yeah, I thought I thought that was it's it's nice that that is being built into every every interaction almost in the show. I mean, I I think for me the um the scene where the cops pull up was mm. one of the most well delivered moments in this whole episode. Like how organic that felt that they yeah. they leave that house. It has obviously been a very upsetting and difficult thing for for Sam to to see and to hear and that they are having a co a conversation that is just a conversation it's not an argument but obviously it's emotional and it's slightly heated mm -hmm. and that immediately the cops swoop in and you just go oh shit 
and and you know you know how this is going to be seen and that line to to bucky of like is this guy bothering you yeah and and, and also bucky going to show him your id and sam going no like why should mm, i yeah. have to and he's 100 yeah. percent right you know uh really 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 well handled scene and mm. you know it's one of those like oh shit moments when the cops show up you're like oh god are they going to try and frame him in some way? You know what's going to happen. Um, it's interesting that they, actually it's, it's Bucky who ends up going quietly for missing his appointment with his with his shrink, which you suspect is a luxury that would not have been afforded Sam. And again, I do wonder if that is something that could have been built into the show a little bit. I, I get a sense there's a, there's a much longer episode here. I, I get the sense that their their encounter with with the psychiatrist was heavily edited. Uh, it feels very, very quick, as you say, Helen. You know, you know, Bucky gets to that moment of of revelation. I think it's an inadvertent revelation. He just blurts it out, but I think there's an, there, there may have been more in that scene. It just yeah. feels that way. They get from the miracle question to the the soul gazing step of the of the process very, very quickly indeed. And I wonder if there might have been something earlier in the episode as well when Bucky decides to go with Sam. Whether there was a moment of well, if I go with Sam, I'm going to miss my appointment with my shrink, and that's bad. Mm. And then, but also, I don't like those sessions, so yeah. I'm going to take this. This is the easier path. And whether Bucky running away from the problem is something that's going to be a theme running all the way through this show. I've a feeling not. I've a feeling that John Walker has just kind of sidestepped that entire thread, at least for now. We might see him going back mm. into sort of therapy and opening up a bit by episode six on, on the basis that he's hopefully in more healthy territory by then. But I, I think that's just gone by the wayside now from for the for the moment. I also think like just going back to the arrest, it's interesting because I think it actually also makes a point, which is that black people get stopped and searched more. But actually, when you look at the numbers equally, uh, you know, I think it was in, there was a study in New York. They actually find more drugs on white people. They just didn't get stopped and searched nearly as much. Mm. So I think there's there's an interesting thing there that it is the white guy who actually has a warrant out for his his arrest. But that's not why they pull over. It's the black guy. So that I think was a very deliberate choice as well, um, which I know was a different point to the one you were just making. But I thought I'd mm. drop it in there before we moved on completely. In fact, I'm I'm going to move back to the Isaiah scene uh, because mm. Sam doesn't really speak in that scene he goes to then yeah. he gets thrown out of his house I, again I wonder if there's a version of that scene where he does speak a little bit more it reminded me Maybe. a little bit of the way that Loki doesn't speak in that scene in Ragnarok with, with Odin uh, mm. I always wondered if there was a moment when he did uh, maybe speak. maybe Sam goes back on his own and is able to have a better conversation in future without you know this Hydra assassin standing next to him yeah, I mean, if there's a longer version of that scene, or I, I hope we get more time with that character later, because it's such, as, as somebody who doesn't know those comics very well, it's such a fascinating idea and something that obviously will have a huge impact on Sam and on the show and on this idea of who gets given these powers and, and how are they treated because of that. But I felt like this scene felt quite rushed. I, I, yeah. I, re I was left wanting more from it. And again, it was one that came through for me where it was like, people are just standing here and saying... Yeah. either their feelings or mm. plotty things. And there is so much in that. There's so much in that character and the potential of what this situation is and, and everything that all of the characters in that room would be facing in that moment that I felt we didn't really get to see or hear. And yeah. if there is a longer version of this episode, if there are longer versions of this out there, I would love to see it, to be honest, because yeah. I, something for me so far, as much as I'm enjoying these episodes, I do feel like the show hasn't quite settled into itself yet mm -hmm. into its own rhythm and i wonder if just these other little tiny moments if they are out there 
that maybe establish some more of the boundaries of this world and what these characters are facing would help a lot mm. of the other stuff just kind of settle into place. But there are moments here, certain bits of plotting or character choices that feel to me like they're floating a bit, that they're not necessarily mm. anchored in something. And if that is a case of them editing down these episodes to get to what, like 40-ish minutes pre-credits, I would happily have like five more minutes if it yeah. just yeah. helped everything else sort of click into place a bit. Uh, should we tell people a bit more about Isaiah Bradley in the comics? Would that be useful? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So um, he comes from uh, a, a limited series called Truth, Red, White and Black, which basically follows a number of black soldiers who are recruited into the military. There's a, a career soldier who's been in there since World War I. Um, there is a communist sympathizer who gets arrested for protesting the war because he's a pacifist and is given the choice between prison and the army and goes for the army. And there's Isaiah Bradley who signs up in search of a you know good paycheck and a better life and a sense of patriotism and leaves his wife, uh, who's pregnant at the time, behind as he goes off to train. Mm -hmm. They are among an, a large number of men who are selected for experimentation and who are carted off uh, in the middle of the night with no oversight from essentially anyone and are put through a process of super soldier treatment, which kills most of them and leaves the ones who are left, um, many of them slightly deformed, like large heads or you know, enormous shoulders or whatever else. And it's an imperfect version of what Captain America gets. And there's a discussion that really confused me in the comics, where they're reading Captain America comics about Steve Rogers, mm -hmm. but it's certainly their belief that they came first, even though his comics predate what was done to them. So the, the, the comic fudges it a little bit in terms of where they're trying to recreate what was done to Steve or where they precursors to Steve and mm. therefore, you know, essentially victims of the process that was finally perfected on him. The comic a, a little bit kind of pulls its punch there from making him in any way complicit, I think, with their treatment. Anyway, in, in the comic, they um, most of them are, end up dead. Um, Isaiah Bradley survives. Uh, he is rescued from a concentration camp where he survives a gas chamber by members of the resistance and is held by them for a while, but then is put in prison for 30 years on his return. So that bit is kind of consistent with the comics as well. And and in the comics, he survives, but essentially his mind does not. Um, and he's he's left kind of, kind of like a child, basically. So mm. it's really, really tragic. It's incredibly upsetting. It's a brilliant, brilliant comic story. And, and I'm really glad to see them tackling it here. And I hope that they, you know, make some of it a little bit clearer and even sharper than it was in the comic, because mm -hmm. I think it's an important, as, as we talked about last week, it, it reflects real life history of experimentation on black people, and it, it absolutely should be in there. And that's profound, but the fact that his grandson, Eli, is mm. also Patriot, a member of the Young Avengers, with Wiccan and Speed, means we already have three members of the Young Avengers in play ready to go. So that could be yeah. going somewhere. Did anyone else feel like they were trying to keep Eli's face off screen so they could Almost, recast him yeah. if they want to? I hope, oh, well. like, I hope that's not the case because I thought, no. you know, seemed fine. But yeah, well, we'll absolutely see him again. I think you're right. The Tam and Bucky will go back, and he'll he'll be a he'll be a player. I do wonder if we might even see that bar fight in in <laughs> in Goyang in 1951. But I noticed at the end in the credits sequence that Carl Lumbly isn't in the. In the main cast, which I thought was mm. was interesting. I thought that he was absolutely going to be one of the empty slots that were held over from last week. Uh, and he wasn't. He wasn't in there at all, oh. which I, I thought was, was intriguing. So maybe he's not going to be as important to this show as 
we think uh, he might be. So the end credits at the, the end credits it's it's Mackie Stan and again they're doing that thing with Lizzie Olsen and Paul Bettany where they switch the uh, the top billion every single week. Uh, Sharon Carter third billion still not in it. Well done Emily Van Camp and her agent. Uh, then we have Wyatt Russell. Then Aaron Kellyman. Then there's then there's someone who hasn't been credited yet. I think there's a missing poster. There's a poster with someone's face on it and they say they're missing. And I wonder if that might be the power broker, uh, whoever that dude or dudette is. Uh, Then, this is interesting, we have Bucky's trigger words. Now, we talked about this in last week's show, that these could still be used potentially as weapons by Simo, who still knows them, can throw out a boxcar and a Fahrenheit and all that sort of stuff every now and again, just see what it does. And we know that they're off to see Simo next week, they're off to see the wizard, uh, and I wonder if the reason that those words are still in play on the credit sequence, and also if you notice that they're being revealed by wallpaper, like the wallpaper's peeling to reveal mm-hmm. the words, that maybe that might be a metaphor for the work that Shuri did on Bucky's brain being peeled back by by Simo. I tell you what, Bucky is a brave man going into a room with a man who can trigger him with just a few well-placed words. Take your earplugs, Bucky. Don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) He goes in with his big headphones on, listening to the Empire podcast. (laughs) I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't don't know if Shuri would be that um, reckless. I I feel like she'd do a pretty good job, but I mean, that would be a cool moment if they go in to confront Zemo and Zemo starts listing off the words and Bucky's like, not going to work on me this time. No, (laughs) fuck you, man. (laughs) Well, Zemo gets out somehow and I wonder if he gets out by triggering something in in Bucky, whether it's just rage on Bucky's part, who knows. But uh, we know that he's going to get out, he's going to get that funky purple mask of his and he's going to run around. Uh, But we'll talk about that in a second. The other thing is, so then we have dog tags for Torres, dog tags for Torres. And then there's Batroc, Sarah, Sam's sister, Daniel Brühl, who's finally in the credits this week, and Don Cheadle. So there is, or Don Cheadle, sorry, there is one missing credit block and none of those are Carl Lumbly, which I thought was was Mm. interesting. I also want to interrogate, as best we can, in the time we have left, Bucky's thought processes this week. So why does he bring Sam to see Isaiah? And why does he suggest going to see Simo? It strikes me that he's going from A to Z very, very quickly without considering any of the other letters of the alphabet. Okay, so Isaiah presumably might at least have knowledge of other super soldiers. Maybe he's hoping that he knows what happened with it. They, you know, he talks about them taking his blood. Bucky maybe knows that and is hoping he knows more about where it went and what was done with it and how, you know, the mm-hmm. super soldier serum might have come from that. Zemo seems like more of a I wasn't clear on why he would have all of Hydra's secrets. He wasn't in Hydra. He did read a couple of books on the subject. But you know, I don't know if he has He's got his. a podcast. He's got the Hydra Files <laughs> He's got his, with Helmut Simo. <laughs> his Hydra doctorate uh, has, <laughs> is just uh, he's just finishing his thesis. I don't know. Uh, it's it's a bit yeah. I wasn't quite clear on the thinking there either. Yeah, I do wonder. I do wonder if that uh, you know what what is the for want of a better word end game there for Bucky. Uh, he's not thinking too clearly. I would say, but we shall see what happens. I kind of would like them to have some more dead ends when they go looking for this stuff, you know? And I feel like, you know, they have an instinct. To, I guess Isaiah was a dead end this week, but yeah, I just kind of want them to sometimes be wrong a bit more. Maybe that's what yeah. we're missing. Maybe that's what Scorsese wants as well. don't know. 
One thing I'm finding is that I think after WandaVision, I know these episodes are more or less double-ish, or at least half as long on top as, as most of the episodes of WandaVision were, but the fact that we're a third through the series already feels kind of quick to me. I, I think with these being 40 minutes rather than an hour, it's not a six-hour story. It's going to be a, what, four-hour story overall if they're all about 40 minutes? I don't know, it just feels mm. like we're kind of quite a way through the series with a lot still to do. And again, I, I would yeah. kind of quite like more more time, which I know is, is weird yeah. because this is the first time we're getting to spend as much time as we are with, with characters in a show like this. But I think mm. with WandaVision unfolding over the course of nine episodes, this feels like it's, it's kind of moving pretty quick for me, mm. while yeah. also sort of holding back a bit in terms of its pacing. Yeah, I think there's going to be major developments. We still haven't met Sharon Carter. She was mentioned in this week's yeah. in this week's show, but we still haven't met her. Mm. So I'm sure that's going you to change. You see the return of Cap's beard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't tease me. Oh. Walker would look good with a beard. Old Captain America with a bit of I face know, there's, there's pictures of him with a beard. He's always growing it too long, so it's really hard to judge what he'd look like with like a, a nicely, neatly trimmed beard. I don't know. With a trimmed beard. Mm. Oh, my word. Uh, that could be interesting. And what do we think of the idea that the uh, the flag smashers are super soldiers? And this does seem to be revolving as much as the shield was, you know, is meant to be the focal point of the show. That it's the super soldier serum that's in play as well, because that thing is not easy to replicate. If it were easy to replicate, mm-hmm. then there would be entire armies of super soldiers. And you know, Bruce Banner wouldn't have turned into the Hulk, which is what happened when he tried to replicate the super soldier serum. And uh, so it doesn't always work. So what do we think of that? And suddenly the fact that there does seem to be a decent version of it knocking around out there, you know, that, you know, Isaiah clearly had something that, that worked pretty well. Bucky has had something Hydra obviously produced that yeah. works pretty well. So what is this? Where did they come from? Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, like you, I want a really good explanation of, of where this has come from and why now and why. And also, hopefully, for them to establish a limit on the quantity of it that there is, because the whole point is that what Cap had in that super serum was mega special, and it's like a one-in-a-lifetime one kind of deal. And the fact that someone is going to have to take up that mantle without having the serum potentially mm. is part of the big question over like how do we get somebody else to be captain america mm. so th- this is something where for me i would really like them to kind of set a limit on how much there is because if that is suddenly just out there in vast quantities for me would maybe slightly cheapen yeah the the sort of specialness of cap like the whole point is that his powers as well as just being the nicest dude in the world his his real power but the actual physical superpowers that he have has have to be something that barely anybody else can get. Well, we don't mm. know yet how much of those powers they have in the sense that it might be time limited. It might be a temporary effect, for example. So that might be the limit on their powers. It might be a successful replication, but one that has horrendous side effects. You know, So there was a Cap and Bucky in the 50s um, who had the super soldier serum while Cap was on the ice. And the problem with that was they didn't have the Vita rays. So they started to go completely, um, well, they went, became paranoid schizophrenics um, because they didn't have the, that extra step of the serum that Cap had that kind of kept them stable. There's been a lot of people in the comics who have had super soldier serum of one degree or another, and lots mm. of them have negative side effects or it's time limited or whatever else. I mean, like I say, the, the people in the uh, Truth, uh, Red, White and Black comic all had horrific mm. side effects to the serum. Yes. So you can have 
some of the good effects, some of the strength, some of the endurance, and still be a bit fucked by it. Um, so that there's every chance that might come up. I think that's where it's going to go. And I think it's where it's going to go with, uh, with John Walker. As I said, I think that he is going to want He's going to crave power because he's going to be fed up with getting his ass kicked every time he gets into the battlefield. And I think that might be what happens as well. You also have to ask about the government's choice. I mean, yes, they've gone for a man who is basically the perfect human soldier, but with no augmentation whatsoever. I mean, they must mm. realize that this guy's going to be riddled with bullets at some point. <laughs> I mean, he's not, he's not Steve Rogers. I guess the other thing, though, is that what's really interesting is that they've appointed a new cap for, like, rah-rah America reasons as mm. much as, like, they sort of, I guess they there's bad shit happening and he's mm. got the shield so he can, like, help out in those sorts of situations. But I thought it was a really interesting line when, when Lamar says to him, like, this is the job, going out and doing the publicity and being, like, a figurehead yeah. is as much the job really as chucking the shield at people and I, I think that's quite an interesting note that maybe yeah there's a very superficial reason for them needing a cap beyond actually needing somebody who is powerful there's also a slight confusion though about you know he does seem to be working with this global repatriation council he kind of mentions that at one point mm. and being able to call on them so i'm not sure how global he is right now. That's a kind of an interesting question that may or may not become a problem. Let's take some questions. Uh, here's one from Mr. Dan Blackburn, which he sent in before the episode aired. Naughty, naughty. Naughty, naughty. Uh, what do you really want to see in this series? I really want a scene with Sam, Bucky and Sharon where they're like, so how are you doing after Cap left you to go back in time? Yeah, I want a scene where they actually go, oh, you'll never guess what, Sam, not only did Steve go back in time, but he went back in time and hooked up with your aunt. I mean, how bad was your kiss, Sharon? I mean, oh, <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't think they'll deal with that. I did have an interesting Peggy thought, though, because Bucky quite belligerently goes, did you ever jump on a grenade? And he wasn't there at that point. So Peggy has clearly told him about that. I'm just saying yeah. that's a little. So that happened at one point during one of the montages when they were fighting together in World War War Two. They had a little bit of a mm-hmm. a chat about Steve. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. Oh, just I'd share that. So, yeah, it's all part of the legend of Stephen Rogers. Uh, at Fal Shopaholic says no Marvel fanfare this week. How disappointing! No, but it was replaced with a funky version of the Star Spangled Man. Oh, mm-hmm. So and good, jazzy riff. Oh yeah, and I'm kind very, very glad line, about yeah. that. One of my favorite MCU moments. That mm-hmm. great. Alan Menken tune with lyrics I should add by David Sapel, uh, the lyrics I was riffing on so humorously in my introduction. So far, the new version is not on Spotify, and I am furious. But you know, fingers crossed, it'll be there soon. Soon, should we all work a r- out a routine to it in the next week? A uh, a marching band sort of. We'll get oh. our batons out and we'll. Oh, Ben, you weren't here for the opening. Opening, were you? Oh, oh no! Such what? a shame. Such what a did shame. I miss? Uh, absolute shite, but we give it a go. Um, <laughs> at Fal Shopaholic also asks, I have to admit, I started crying during the couples therapy session when Bucky finally blurted out if Steve was wrong mm-hmm. by Sam, then maybe he was wrong about him, which goes to the heart of Bucky's fears that he will always be the Winter Soldier instead of the White Wolf. Yeah, I thought that had a nice amount of depth to it. I like mm-hmm. that it was it was a few steps removed, but it felt very real of why he would feel that. Yeah, that the whole time... Steve had complete faith in Bucky. Bucky had complete faith in Steve. Steve has complete faith in Sam. But once that starts to erode, that this guy who is still processing a hundred years of trauma would just suddenly find himself adrift and like spinning out. Mm-hmm. And I thought that did feel very sort of a real reason why he would be pissed off at Sam beyond just like, you gave away the shield. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. That was the shield. What are you doing? 
yeah, I did. Th- I thought the line was great. I just, like I say, I would have had him get more agitated in the run up to it because I think he delivers it really well as well. I just felt like he wasn't pushed to deliver it and it would have made more sense to me given how guarded he is as a character if he'd had to be mm. really, really pushed to that point. Yeah, that's almost a cliche in itself, isn't it? That moment where Maybe, someone is yeah. driven to the brink of of anger and fury, and then they say something that's actually self revelatory, and they go, "Oh, that's what I meant." But uh, but again, that's that's kind of what he does here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe they wanted to take the edge off that and make it less predictable. Maybe. So he just maybe. says it when no one, including him, expects it. Uh, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. At Tim from Wales, maybe, maybe, maybe. At Tim from Wales uh, asks, do you think, take the shield off Walker and the wings off Sam, do you think Walker could kick Sam's ass? And does the team think he's on a journey to the dark side? Possibly yes on the latter. I'll be honest, possibly yes on the former. I mean, mean, Sam's a hell of a fighter, but this dude is basically introduced as kind of the, the human Terminator. So, yeah. But this is kind of why, and you know, I've long had this issue. Like Sam as Captain America doesn't work for me because he doesn't have any powers. He's God, just got his fancy backpack. This. Doesn't it's not about power. By that rationale, I could be Captain America. I'm just saying. You could no, you couldn't could because you, you don't have any of the other qualities. Oh. Also, you're British. <laughs> yes, you could be, you're like the most British man in the world. <laughs> Here's a question from at Shug Hamster. If it was a definitive top 10 most punchable faces in the MCU, who would be numbers <laughs> two to 10 behind John Walker? Oh, harsh. A little bit harsh, maybe. I don't know. It might be getting less harsh by the minute. I mean, Thanos is up Thanos. there, right? Yeah, Thanos is number one. He's got a lovely face. Big he old strong jaw. Punchable scrotum chin is what he has. <laughs> He's, he brought whales to the Hudson. He's the hero we need. He's the hero we deserve. He's the hero Our we man, deserve. The true Captain America, Thanos. <laughs> he had a plan. Let me tell you that. I mean, um, let me see. Ebony Moore has a punchable face. Very punchable. Yeah. 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 A supremely punchable face. Oh, um, your man from Guardians of the Galaxy. Chris Pratt. Lee Pace, whose face is generally not punchable but you know Ronan, Ronan the, accuser. the Accuser very punchable is his, is his face punchable? yeah super punchable I, d- I don't know Do you really, okay alright okay I'll go with that who else has got a punchable face? I Sunny mean, Birch Sunny Birch <laughs> numbers 4 through 10 Sunny Birch has a punchable face but what a face and what a what a it's character it's a great face yeah Such it's a great not a great character, character. yeah no. do not punch Walter Goggles don't do it don't do it oh Jude Law in Captain Marvel, yeah, super punchable. Yeah, he's very punchable. punchable, yeah. But he looks like Jude Law. That's not a punchable face. That's a, no, that's it a is, absolutely. When, when, he's, when he does his whole, oh, you have to prove to me you can face me on my terms thing, that's punchable. That's deeply, deeply punchable. All right. Interesting. Uh, not sure we have time to round out the entire top 10, but uh, maybe we'll come back to it at a certain, <laughs> certain point. Shrug Hamster, perhaps, in next week's show. Here's a question from at Sack Gross. Uh, do you think the boys were too hard on Walker? given that he seems genuinely to be trying to help and it seems unlikely that it was his idea to reissue the shield. No, they are totally right to be hurt <laughs> by this whole situation. And you, if you're in that situation, you would just be like, who the hell is this guy? Who, hmm. Like, who are you, mate? What are you doing? Don't you come in here with this shield and try and tell us how to do our sort of off-the-grid jobs. I, I, I quite like that wrinkle that obviously, yeah, Sam and Bucky at this point are basically lone agents, mm. dual loan agents, but they're not really affiliated with anyone. And 
John Walker is going to have the government's backing. He's got the he's got the credentials. He's got the the might of um, institutions and organisations behind him. Which who knows? Maybe that will be his downfall. But um, but yeah, it sort of puts our heroes on the back foot a bit, which could be interesting mm. going forward. Yeah. No, I, I agree. They're they're absolutely right to be hurt um, by his very existence, and I think he he begins to win them over, and then you know screws it up. So question from. At Jay Swinimer, is this show actually therapy for the viewer to cope being without Steve as Cap? Or is it a form of torture to see that fake hold the shield? I think that question actually comes from a Mr. Bucky Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> what do we reckon of that one? Bit of both. Bit of both. Yeah, it's a good, version therapy, bad. maybe? Bit of both. <laughs> I do think that for all of us, as much as I think we would have all have been happy for Sam to take up the shield straight away, I, I think seeing Crapton America is a, sort of <laughs> another incentive to us as the viewers to go, hey, somebody is going to take on this mantle and wouldn't you like it to be the sky we all like instead of, of this kind of slightly douchey winky man? Do you think Cap is looking down from his hotel on the moon and just going, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> we know he's there, man. We he's know he's there. there. We know he's there. The big question surely from this episode is, did... Our old Winter Soldier get a second date. Yeah, I was a bit, I was a bit sad about that actually. That uh, I hope we get to see that again. I asked Malcolm Spellman that about you know as the show begins to pick up momentum and starts becoming more actiony and daring, Dewey and spy movie. Will we still get to see Sarah trying to save her family's fishing boat and go for bank loans? And mm. will we still get to see Bucky with with Leia? Back in the uh, in the sushi bar, and 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 Yori, all the guilt over Yori's son from last week was just kind of put on hold, and felt that the episode had almost forgotten that there was oh. things that even happened. Well, I mean, that was that was in the the previously on, so I think they're very much trying to remind us that that happened. And yeah. Yuri wasn't, but his son was. Yes. Um, so I think I don't think they're going to forget about that. I think that's going to be something that comes back. Um, point, I don't know point. about the dating situation. Yeah. I hope that Bucky gets lucky by the end of this uh, this show. One thing I'd like is if we get to return to those yeah side characters, but with Falcon and Winter Soldier together. So like Bucky gets to see Sam and his sister together, and he can sort of help provide a new perspective on mm -hmm. what they're going through, and that mm -hmm. maybe Sam can help Bucky with his sort of massive guilt trip walk through history with mm. Yuri. Mm. And maybe help each other find a bit of closure there. That would be quite a nice note if they play that out. Uh, just a couple of last questions real quick. At Shifar Fadden, why was Battlestar the last straw for Bucky on the cheap? <laughs> just because yeah, it's funny. Like, Battlestar, stop the car. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just like, you know, what is this with these fucking stupid names? Or, or maybe he's just like, no, man, that's enough. You will not sully Rundy Moore's legacy. Get the fuck out. And he was just having none of it. <laughs> Maybe Bucky it. goes way far back on Battlestar. Maybe he's into the original. He's Glenn uh, Larson, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, no! <laughs> original yeah. or get the fuck out. Well, listen, we'll, we'll get into some more questions and stuff next week because uh, Helen has to run. She has mm -hmm. a mysterious parcel to deliver to the Flag Smashers. That's what you told me, Helen, anyway. And there's all okay. sorts of stuff I want to get into next week, you know, about, you know, tracking... The shield. Someone did ask whether it was it was Steve's shield that 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 John Walker was using, and it does seem to be Steve's shield. And of course, that's the shield that Steve picks up in his adventures when he's returning all the Infinity Stones at the end of Endgame. If you look at the end of Endgame, he does not have his shield with him 
because it was well broke by Thanos in the in the battle at the end of Endgame. Uh, also, Bucky asks Sam in this episode, don't you remember Siberia? Well, no, Sam doesn't because he wasn't in Siberia. Uh, Bucky's mind is beginning to huh. fracture, folks. But he's read the incredibly detailed blow-by-blow accounts of every battle the Avengers have ever done. <laughs> yes. So yes. he doesn't need to have been there. Everybody knows. Yes. And maybe he's even ghost-written a few books himself. And uh, maybe maybe this is how Sam can actually pay for his sister's fishing boat by, by writing his own book about, I was there in the battle to save the universe. Uh, last question I'm going to ask you guys real quick is next week. Simo, we're going to see Simo properly. He seems to have become Hannibal Lecter in the interim. They're really building this guy up because classical music, jail cell, I expect he'll go full Manhunter, Silence for the Lambs, toying with uh, Sam and Bucky's mind. I mean, I hope he has a cool plan because um, I thought that was something that worked really well in Civil War. Like, it was obviously very extreme, but he had a plan that was pretty devious, that was largely well thought out. He knew the buttons to press. So I hope when he comes in, he does smart things. This is a character who really needs to show that he is, he knows a lot and that he knows how to manipulate people and he knows how to, to get people where it hurts. And so I, I, I really hope that they, the writers have come up with something that feels appropriately smart for him to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Cause he is, he is Hannibal Lecterish, not in the terms of the eating people thing, but in the terms of always being two steps ahead of everybody else. Like he finished <laughs> off Civil War and you had Ross taunting him, uh, like, oh, you failed, everything you went you know, everything went wrong. And he's like, No, I didn't. I fucking won. Fuck you all. So, you know, he's he wasn't wrong either. Like he he did succeed essentially in what he set out to do. So I think they need to make sure that he is as formidable this time. And he did the classic thing that Marvel characters do when they succeed in the thing they've done. He just goes outside for a good sit down. That's what he does at the end of Civil War. It's what Thanos does at the end of Infinity War. It's what Wanda did at the end of WandaVision in that cabin. Yeah. They just love just going and sitting down and be like, great, I did it. Nice one. Boom. Takes a lot of a lot out of him. Takes an awful lot to plan and pull off these these evil machinations, or not evil in some certain cases. Uh, James will obviously back Thanos up on that oh, uh, in that regard. Why do you feed the trolls? I can't Wales. help it. I can't. Wales oh, God, Hudson. there he is. Oh, no, there he is. There Jesus he is. Jesus Christ. There he is. He'll He's start back talking again. about fucking Molly's game in a minute, will you see? Yeah. <laughs> Some- <laughs> yeah. 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 That was, it was implicit that he restored the missing star to that when he snapped his fingers yeah. as well. You know, that was, they didn't feel the need to put it on screen, but clearly that happened. He's like one of those animatronic dolls at some sort of dreadful theme park that every now and again he just wakes up and someone walks past because Thanos was right. Molly's game is a four star masterpiece. Pilot you know. TV podcast. <laughs> yes. On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we talk about how Thanos' plan to snap away half the universe is a four-star masterpiece. Pretty much. It's true. It's true. It's funny because it's true. Anyway, yeah. on that note, that is it for this week's deep dive, deepish dive, deepish, deep, deepish dive-ish into the second episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, join us next week for more Falcon and the Winter Soldier related fun. And, and blah. But until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from the star-spangled Ben himself, Mr. Benjamin Travis. Goodbye. It is goodbye from... What's your name, Jimbo? Battlestar Spectacular. <laughs> it's a bit Moulin Goodbye, Rouge. Chris. That's another, that's another podcast done. I'm going to go outside, sit on a porch, and stare at the sunset. <laughs> 
uh, gazing. Was it gazing on a grateful universe? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> was it? Was it? Look at look uh, up. Yeah, as the sun rises yeah. on a grateful universe. And, and that's go. exactly it. Yeah. But they'd be setting because it's the evening. But you know, it is evening. But the clocks go forward, so soon it'll that's be right. bright again. Ah, oh, so profound. I didn't realise mm. it was this profound. And it's goodbye from the incorrectly spelled freaky Magoo, Helen O'Hara. Look, I'm just kind of Celticizing it. It's fine. So McGoo. <laughs> McGoo. Yes. I like that. From I like that. Toodaloo. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me, the Walker Dead. I am off, well, which is what I hope happens to him, right? Right? Oh my God. Yeah. You're so mean. Wyatt yeah. Russell seems like a perfectly nice man. Lovely fella. Lovely fella. His dad. Have, have you ever told you about the time I met his dad? I met his yes. dad a couple of times. Oh, such a lovely, lovely fella. Um, didn't give me a curt reception whatsoever. Oh uh, listen, I am off to eat a big old tube of Pringles. Why? Because I'm boycotting Walker. Walker. Boycotting Walker. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Oh. And on that note... A fond farewell from me, Crapped in Britain. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.